What is it you want, Barry? What do you want? You, you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, dying times here. Come with me if you want to live. That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. The Force will be with you. Always. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to 20th Century Geek. I'm your regular host, Scott Weatherly, and as ever, I am joined by someone to talk about something. And today I'm pulling someone out from the catacombs, out from the past, my good friend, Retro Mike Kennedy. Mike, it has been an age since you've been on the show. I know, yeah. Was I, I, Did I do something wrong? Was I in? Was I on the naughty step for that long? No, I think it's just... It just it was just scheduled. You you started you you started to try and improve yourself by going to university, and then you just had no time. It just, so it's just been one of those. And then so lockdown are, are, happened. Are we and... using are we using a university as a euphemism for uh, uh, jail? Yeah, basically. Yeah, oh, I, was, okay, I, correct, wasn't, yeah. I wasn't going to go there, but yeah, <laughs> you've been re-educated. I think is how. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, it's, it seems like an age. It must it must be. I think it's about two years. Yeah, possibly. Yeah, since I mean, I've been on it. You know, you I was there at the start. I, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like the stepdad. You are. You were one of the project. project um, yeah, you're one of the earliest ones. Uh, you really did start this with me, so it's good to have you back on. We tried to do an episode of this about the Arrow collections, but um, we had some issues with connection, and, and it sort of the audio went to part. So we'll have to do that again one day. Mm. We'll bring bring up the Arrow collections because we are going to be talking about Arrow today because this is our Patreon. This was chosen by the Patreons. Uh, my patrons sort of get to choose uh, an episode a quarter and this month they got to choose from a series of mini retrospectives um there was um i can't remember now one kids adventures with goonies and monster squad and this is just called b movie horror fun and it's a uh, dead heat uh, and killer clown from outer space both from 1988 and um i thought who better to talk about these kinds of films than uh, than my good friend retro Mike Kennedy, because um, th- these are some corkers, and uh, we're both giggling to ourselves then because we've both got the same steelbook edition of Killer Clowns um, yep. from Arrow, a uh, really cool edition. Um, and uh, so yeah, I think we'll start with Killer Clowns and then move on to Dead Heat. But um, so from from a from a financial perspective, okay. Yeah. If you're pitching a film to someone and you go in there with the pitch and you say, yeah, okay, so it's well, this is the name of the film. It's called <laughs> Killer Clowns from Outer Space. It's kind of like, I'd say, say what now? What, what was <laughs> yeah. that? So let me get this straight. This, these are clowns from outer space that kill people. Yeah. How did they get the funding? Well, I, I like that. I like the idea they went in with a pitch because there's questions, like you said, there's questions. How do they kill people? Can, uh, cotton candy? Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, anything else? Well, yeah, they they have a dog. Oh, they got okay. So they're alien dogs. Well, sort of. It's a, it's a balloon dog, and uh, like yeah, it, it's you would be dumbfounded. Uh, yeah. The, the only way that I can see that this came about <clears throat> is the guys who wrote and directed this, the Chiodo brothers, are all special effects. Well, especially the two that wrote it, and uh, was it Stephen and Charles? Uh, Chiodo, special effects artists, aren't they? They're, they're the guys yes. that did all this, and so they helped. They basically created the clown suits and that sort of thing. 
the only thing I can think of, they rocked up with one of these clown suits. I and pitched someone, it as a clown. And someone said, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Because oh, the, the effects is, is very good in this film. I'm mm. sure we're going to go into it in, in a lot more detail in a second. But I, I just, every time I, I see it on my shelf, it just sits there. And I just think, see, there's two films that spring to mind on my shelves in my, in my Arrow collections. That it's it, and how they pitch the film because you know obviously working in entertainment myself mm-hmm. pitching ideas and stuff is 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 a very hard but important part of the business and pitching Killer Clowns from Outer Space to try and get the financing back in order or distribution and also another film called Microwave Massacre. I haven't seen that yet, and I have to say it's because I've got the Arrow streaming at the moment. Mm. It keeps popping up, and I'm like. I really should watch that. <laughs> yeah, it's it's what's not to love, you know. Yeah. Microwave massacre sounds good. We did watch a, a film. If anyone out there and your patrons want to watch it, it's on Amazon called Killer Sofa. Right, <laughs> that, that's pretty good. But it's actually not a sofa. It's actually a, a, a lazy boy recliner. Oh well, that's just false advertising. It that's... is just false advertising. Yeah. So well, this thing of this thing of inanimate objects because there was one called, wasn't it called Wheel about a killer wheel that went around a tire that went around... rubber rubber that was it mm. yeah so there's there is a sort of a trend of like but they're all they're all sort of cashing in on because this is does it as well cashing in on that like 1950s b movie oh yeah um, um you know there was not... another another one called Llamageddon. Llamageddon. and it's about a killer llama from space <laughs> that, brilliant yeah but the, the, all of those ones, they're all based, like those pun-based ones, like Sharknado and uh, anything Shark- like that. You mean in, Sharknado's, uh, Sharknado's not a documentary? I hope not. That... <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see? thought I was watching the Discovery Channel or something, you know? Flying Sharks. Yeah. Um, well, there's been other ones, because I do like those ones, like Lava Lantula and, um, you know, any of those daft ones. Um and I, I do think Killer Clowns sort of paves the way. And so does Dead Heat a little bit. But pa- Killer Clowns paves the way a little bit for those kinds of films. Um, I, I do think this is a better film, though. Mm. Um, but, yeah, the concept in this... He, uh, have you watched the trailer? Yes. Even the trailer's, like, poked fun at it. It's like, you know... They're, cl- it's like, you know, they're aliens. It's like, they're clowns. And you can even tell they're going, like, we don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> this, this is weird. Well, some voiceover guy has been paid to, you know, to 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 to, to say all of this mm. on the trailer. Having not seen the film, probably never seen the film, and thinking yeah. to myself, "Just give me my Jeff in money." You know what I <laughs> yeah. mean? Yeah. Just give me my money. I'm out of here. You guys are, are complete nutcases. Yeah. Um, are you you really you want me to read this? Yes, we want you to read that. And can you do it in your sort of your best sort of like trailer voice? Oh, all right. Well, you're you're pay- it's your money. Your money. Yeah. You're paying. This is a wind-up, right? <laughs> yeah. Clowns yeah. from space. So, what was it? The, the story of this film, like I say, it's, it's a typical B-movie, um, and it's small-town America. Uh, you know, there's a group of kids, uh, as usual, sort of, they're, they're university or college students, all in their 30s. Um, and uh, they're at make-out point, which is probably like the most American thing, and I also find really creepy, but I'll, we'll get onto that. So they're all at make-out point, and two of them see um, a, a meteorite come, and it hits the Earth, and they go to find out what it is, and it turns out it's a spaceship that looks like a circus tent. And yes, when they, 
Yeah, and when they go in, they are attacked by a bunch of clowns, uh, and they are shot at with guns that fire popcorn. And then the clowns go into town, and all you know, they start trying to eat people and turn them into cotton candy so they can drink their blood. That's pretty much the the story. And then they, you know, they get the police get involved. So it's 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 dead simple, incredibly daft. But like you know, so, but before we get into the whole sort of film, when did you first come across Killer Clowns? Oh gosh, um, I think it was early nineties, um, mm. and it was around about nineteen ninety. So I was probably one. um and also really crap at maths um but no i think it was around about the 1990s because it was obviously i i was a big fan of vipco and the whole Mm. vipco film like deadly spawn the one with the killer Mm. teeth Mm -hmm. um you know and the bogeyman and the burn-in and stuff which are not not necessarily the same things but the same sort of genre but then on the shelf in the horror section was this one killer clowns from outer space and i thought Ooh, this is pretty cool. This, uh, this is this going to be like Stephen King's It sort of thing? Yeah. And then, and then of course, back in them days, you pick up the video cover, and the video cover, if the if it's got a good cover, you watch it. And this is at the time when you had stuff like Puppet Master, you know, mm. and uh, and and uh, um, so species and stuff like that. So it it was it was very much the cover that drawed me to it and then i, I watched it and and i got to be honest i didn't like it cuz it, it was it was a little bit too what the hell is going on here <laughs> so it wasn't until later in life when i rewatched it that i i appreciated the the, the maniacal genius mm. that is killer clowns from outer space i i think i've got a similar story my story is similar cuz you say that's one of the things i miss about video shops you know your blockbuster or your local sort of video shop and for anyone young enough that sort of like you know it's only ever known streaming you've never lived all right exactly. if you've never walked into a video shop you know and just gone i wonder what i'm gonna, you know, gonna get and browse the shelves it's like it was like it was like having netflix but with exercise because you had to walk up and down the aisles to browse things you, um, you did but not when you took it back when you took it back you just had to post it through the letterbox yeah, yeah. I dated I dated a girl from a video shop once, right? Um, uh, the local video shop, the girl in the in the local video shop. Her father said, "You make sure you have a home by midnight." Yeah. And I, I didn't have her back until one o'clock in the morning, so I posted it through the letterbox for an extra two pound. Yes, because says you get late fees. Um, that was always that was always my dread, like dropping some off at Blockbuster and going, oh, "I've only got to four o'clock," and running up yeah. at like quarter two and just pushing it through. Um. But I remember seeing the I remember the cover for this as well, uh, and obviously you know those painted covers or those sort of the art covers because they didn't really have like there was no there was it was either a, in those days either a still from the film yeah that then had stuff around it or you had like a painted art cover you know like your not Drew Struzan level which is your sort of you know your big boy uh, way but you'd have like some sort of painted art cover and this I remember the hand it's like a big clown hand over an earth. Uh, spinning earth and stuff hmm. and i remember then just thinking like like you what is this that this is crazy I think, I think it had the ice cream truck on it as well didn't it is that right yeah i think so yeah yeah but i think i saw it a bit later i saw it like late 90s i think sort of you know mid to late 90s but again it was one of those where i think we got a couple um and uh it was like yeah let's, let's just get this and watching it i think i i've always loved this film from from the get-go 
but I do remember sort of like that same that same reaction of like, what is this? <laughs> like, I don't know what it is I'm watching. Uh, and it's only with age and knowledge that you go, oh, okay, now I get what it is they're doing. And actually, mm. for knowing what it is, it's even better. Um, but yeah, no, nothing in this film should work, I think, is, is the point to make. I, I, think, I think more to the point, nothing in this film does work, Mm-mm. which is what makes it so good. Everything is preposterous. Yeah. Everything is exaggerated and everything is just over the top. And that's what makes it enjoyable is the fact this mm. is complete nonsense from beginning to end, you know, and, and there are lots of stereotypes all throughout the film. Oh, yeah. S- stereotype after stereotype after stereotype, you know. Well, J- John Vernon is literally brought in to be John Vernon. Like, you know, yeah. they've, they've said like they've paid him some money and just said, like, here's your lines, but just read them. <laughs> like, don't act. It's fine. Just be angry. You. Um, and I love John Vernon from a number of things from the eighties and stuff. Um, but yeah, you're right. I know you're right. It is preposterous, and you mm. know. Um, but I like the fact that it taps into so many things. I mean, you know, when they first find the, um, the the clown tent or the circus tent spaceship, and they go in, you know, they're going around. At one point, they go through a door, and they're on basically like a platform overlooking like a just a massive chasm. You know, and it's clearly mm. like, it's, it's clearly a matte painting. You know, and it's not the best matte painting, but it's a good matte painting. I'm enjoying. Oh, yeah. it. and the colours are fantastic. I mean, you know, if you like your neons, like they go they go mad for in this. But clearly, they're going like, "Here's your Star Wars reference. Here's this, you know." And throughout it, um, there's you, yeah. can see, you can see the influences. You can see the influences oh, from yeah, other films on the sleeve. Yeah. But then saying that though, for 1988, yeah. Mm. The effects weren't that bad in comparison to other films of the time. No, all practical effects as well. Mm. You know, a lot of practical effects. And, I mean, you know, the one thing we should say, the clowns themselves, at least the primary clowns, there's like a group of like five, six primary clowns. Yeah. Because um, you, you meet a lot more at the finale, like the climax of the film. And there's a couple that like clearly aren't as high tech. Like they're just masks. because Their faces don't move at all. Um, but the uh, the primary clowns, the way they're sort of the the the, the obvious animatronics, you know, they smile, their eyebrows move, they look happy or they look sinister. Like, yeah, it's really good. Mm. I love the clown faces in this. I think they're absolutely superb. Oh, that reminds me. How is the wife? Yeah, <laughs> she's very well, thank you. She's all right. Yeah, yeah. still got yeah. that shocked expression on her face. Uh, yes, yes, that's one of the other reasons you haven't been allowed on the podcast, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, you told me I could have a shower. That's all I'm yeah. saying. You know, um, but you're right. The, the masks, the 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 masks are fantastic. You know, um, the the effects of the face and stuff, and it's they are sinister when you look mm. at them. They are sinister, and and there's a bit of foreboding going on. You know, it's it's really well done on the prosthetics kind of thing. You know, mm. I think the the acting. <laughs> it is 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 not even questionable. It's it's beyond questionable. It is so wooden and cardboard yeah. cutout acting that you just it is just acting with numbers. Basically, that's what's going on. Oh yeah, and it, there are moments when I'm not sure if it's intentional or not. Like you know, like again, giving into that sort of like the B movie schlock of it. But like, there, then there are other scenes when you're like, oh no no, they just they're just not good. <laughs> they're just not very good at all. Um, mm. 
Yeah, and you're not really watching this for. I mean, the main character is called Mike Tobacco, so you know, yes. you, you you get that they're not really that bothered. You know, it's sort of like don't really worry about the main characters; they don't really matter. And um, I think it's, there's another reference to smoking, I think, or something. One of the other characters. What's the other character called? Mike Tobacco. I don't know. I'll have a look and we'll see. But um, yeah, as a, the, the the main point of this film isn't isn't the acting. Like they're not aiming for. Um, it's not an Oscar winner. No, no, it's definitely not. I mean, the, the two best in it are the Terenzi brothers, the guys yes. with the um, the, the ice cream uh, truck. The guys cream truck. Like, they're they're good fun. Like they're you know. Um, oh, they're a double act. They're a good double act, aren't they? They're they're the comedy. Yeah. The, the comedy aspect to a film that's potentially a comedy, you know. Yeah, yeah, they're that, yeah. They're basically sort of like the the, the the sort of the comic relief in a comedy film. Um, the frustrated, they're sexually frustrated as well. Throughout the entire film is all about their sexual frustration and the fact <laughs> that they think that being ice cream men would get them chicks. Yeah, it's an odd, it's, it's an odd choice. Um, it's never clearly, worked for me. Well, actually, no. fun, funny enough, if I fetch some Hagen Dazs home for Ruth, phew, I'm in for a good night then. I can tell you that. <laughs> and by that, you mean she goes, she'll leave you alone and you can watch some films? Basically, yeah. Yeah, basically. yeah. So. Um, no, it is. And I do find it funny that like you say those two guys, they even just give in at the end of it, they, they fall into a ball pool and it's two female clowns um, whose boobs inflate um, and they, they give in to the female clowns. So. Uh, yeah, they, they'll, they'll do anything, yeah, basically. Oh, yeah, totally. Um, you said about this being sinister, and you, you're not wrong, because there's bits of this film which is, is it, it's, it's funny, and it's clearly played for laughs, and it's clearly played for, like, to be daft. But there is a scene in this where one of the clowns goes to, um, like, a burger joint, like a fast food restaurant, and tries to entice a, a young girl out. And it's like, you know, he's... he's Sort of, in, you know, giving it the Jimmy Savile, and she's about to go outside, and he's got like a massive mallet behind his back, and she's saved. Like the mum comes and grabs her just before she goes outside, and the look on his face again, like I say, it's all done with, with animatronics and stuff on this clown's face, but like he looks genuinely pissed off. <laughs> um, but it's really sinister. Like, what the? What was he going to do to her in the in the basically in front of a burger joint with this mallet? Um, but also as well the 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 alley bit when they they they're having the face off in the alley, <laughs> uh, the the clown and the bikers. The, yeah, that's I love that. That's mm. that's that's a that's a really good scene. I mean, that 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 made me, I don't know, because you feel quite sorry for the clown in that scene. Because well, they, they yeah they everything they've done in this is has been. Um, Weirdly, you never really feel threatened. You do both feel threatened, but then you enjoy seeing the clowns. Like they are there for, you know, they're not a monster monster, are they? You know, they're not like a um, to be there to be scary. They've got like a sinister edge, but they're there to be comedy. It's the fact that when he, like, say the the biker breaks up his bike and his ears droop, <laughs> and he's just like, and like yeah, um, you do sort of feel sorry for him. And then you sort of go, oh, no, I shouldn't have been. He can look after himself. And he literally, uh, again, a bit on the nose with the dialogue, you know. What are you going to mm. do? Knock my block off? Um, but, yeah, it looks good. Like I say, when that body falls, and he just literally punches his head off, and then the body collapses. Like, it looks good. And everyone loses and just splits. And yeah. that's really good acting. 
I think yeah. that's the best acting of the film is everyone looking genuinely excited. Yeah. Um, uh, not excited, frightened rather. Um, but the, the, the interesting thing about this film is that you, you always, throughout the journey of the film, you're always wondering where the hell is this going to go? Mm. Where, where's this going to go? Cause this has gone so extreme now. What's the payoff? You know, what is the, what's going to be the finale of this film? Are they all going to get diabetes? Yeah. Well, you know? if I'm honest, if as you're watching it and as they wrote it, I'm pretty sure they didn't know either. Um, I would say the finale is probably possibly the weakest part of the film. Mm. Um, you know, it's sort of uh, it, it, it's clear they've run out of money as well uh, for sets because you've got all this other stuff going on, and then they do get to the finale is them getting onto the mothership, onto the main clown, or onto the clown ship, and it's basically just a blacked out st- studio. Oh, yeah, it's you can see the studio floor and the tape on the studio floor as well. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's a soundstage, you know, you're like, so you're yeah. in a studio. Yeah, and they've basically put some like colorful blocks and stuff about and that, and then and then you get attacked by like the big clown, like the, the massive monster clown. Um, and it's all fine, but I, I definitely prefer the middle of the film. The middle of the film is, is the best bit of this film, like the finale is all, is, yeah, it's okay, but um. It's sort of when the clowns attack. It's like gremlins, isn't it, really? In that sense, you know, sort of like, you know, monsters attacking a small town. It's when they're doing the attacking. That's the fun bit. That's when all the, the, the good stuff's happening. Um, I think that as, as an end boss, though, he's not very good. The big clown. Yeah, I think, you know, he, he he's he's a bit he's, he's a bit crap from a gaming perspective. If you had him as the end of level box, the boss, you'd be like, meh. Yeah, and all the other clowns are scared of him and run away. Yeah, I'm, what's going on there? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that all supposed. To be. You're not really supposed to ask. Um, you know how it is. You know, is it like is it like alien or aliens? Is that like the queen alien? Does he birth all these little aliens? You're not really. I don't. Really, I don't think you're supposed to question the reproductive cycle of, of killer clowns from outer space. But like you know, it just gets like it's it's. It's just like I say to go. We've had these other clowns. The end is a bigger clown, and I think there would be better ways of doing it, or there's be there could be more interesting ways of doing the ending. Yeah, and also it's he is the Death Star clown. Yeah, because that he he is the ultimate killer clown, with one small problem. Yeah, (laughs) you know. (laughs) Well, they've all got a flaw. Yeah. yeah. So you've built this Death Star, and it's perfect. It can destroy planets. Um, yeah, so it's flawless. Well, actually, apart from there is this exhaust port mm-hmm. that if you shoot photons or torpedoes down, it will blow it all up and go straight to the reactor. Why do we have that? Yeah. Why, can we can we just block it off, brick it up, maybe? You know, that's the flaw with the, the whole Death Star thing. Mm-hmm. And the same principle is in this film. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know? he's, a mo- he's a massive monster, but if you literally fire a g- one bullet at his nose, like. He's done for. Fire uh, a bullet at his nose, he's gone. And that's yeah. it. So, so he would obviously wear a face guard, something over yeah. his nose. No. Yeah. They're, they're one weakness. And it's like literally. I mean, it's a, I get the joke. You know, I get the joke. It's the nose is the, is the, is the weakness. But like, yeah, if they're able to sort of achieve interstellar, interstellar travel, I think they would, they would sort of sort this nose issue out in some yes. way. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I like the way they find it, you know, when it happens and they do a bit of like, you know, cause it's, um, another, another quite a good scene actually, you know, when they get to it is, uh, one of the clowns gets arrested and, um, oh. it turns on uh, officer Mooney played by John Vernon. And at one point he said early in the film, like, you know, you're not going to make puppet out a, a puppet out of me. Um, cause you get all these phone calls coming in of people claiming, and obviously that's exactly what happens. Um, but there's a moment in that when he's sat on one of the clown's laps and he's got like the, the rosy cheeks and the lines down his face and he's made him look like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. But it's the bit where the clown pushes him off and then just shakes his hand and sort of like all the, to get all the blood off his own hand. Sort of like, and it makes the noise. It's the little bits like that, that you say, it's sort of like, although this whole thing's daft, there's still a little edge to it that I kind of like. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that the 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 police the, the the again with the finale the the two people in the ice cream truck that hid in the freezer, yeah, yeah, you know. So we're just gonna we so so oh, you hid in the freezer and then the car with the cop, you know, just sort of like hides in the car and you're thinking so the car, um, so the spaceship that travelled interstellar through you know through <laughs> all these galaxies, blew up into billions and billions of pieces. Confetti. You know, fra- yeah, fragments, fireworks. Yeah. Yet a car survived. Yeah. <laughs> a car, which is a clown's car. Yeah. Now, I don't know about you, but I've seen clown cars, and, and things keep falling off them all the time. Yes. So I think that's just cod swallow, to be honest with you. Well, it's, it, it, it's a bit sort of... Um... It does threaten credulity a little bit, doesn't it, really, when you're sort of, uh, you know, you're trying to set this whole thing up. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's all daft. Like The whole thing makes no sense. Because at the end of it as well, technically, I'm not entirely sure if the, the main characters die at the end of this film. Because one of the things that you see is when the clowns turn up, so the clowns escape, they're all getting back to their their ship, and they turn up in a clown car. And, it, and there's a, there's a they've um, hidden it in a like a theme park on a pier or something i don't i don't know it's, it's i'm never entirely sure where this town is because it appears to be on the coast but but yeah, yeah. with it with a hillbilly farmer in there going you're on my land yeah yeah i'll sort you i still think it's dog no i'll get onto that in a minute but um yeah they, they basically the security guard turns up and the clowns go and they've all got those pies and the guys the, the, the security guard with a straight face as well so that's what i do like there are moments of acting in this that are good it's like mm. what are you gonna do with those pot those pies boys um played fully straight and then obviously he gets pounded with the sort of these cream pies oh but they're loaded with acid and they melt him <laughs> um which is like you're like all right and then the little clown puts a, a cherry on top which you know just to, just to finish it off um but at the end of the film, the three main characters get pelted with pies from out the sky. Well, that's what Gabe says. Gabe says, well, they're going to melt now. Yeah, that's exactly. I've always thought that. I was like, well, are they dead? Like, is this? <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, what, you know, is that, there... I mean, does this film warrant a sequel? No. There was going to be one. I mean, uh, Chiodo mm. Brothers apparently have a script and there was talk of them doing a sequel. Probably, I mean, the last I heard about it was, was 2017 and they were trying to do some stuff on it. They were going to do a Kickstarter and all this other stuff, but I don't know that I want one. I, I like it being a sort of a singular event. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. I don't think you can replicate that. No. I don't think it's, it, there's not. No, 
I think the ridiculousness works for one one film. I agree. Yeah, because if you yeah, it's one of those things of, and we've seen it. With, you see it with a lot of these things. The moment they try to redo the preposterousness of it, they either up it and it sort of becomes too much, or they have to do the same jokes again and it's never as funny. So, mm. um, and the other thing is, like you say, those special effects, the practical special effects are great in this film, like really good. Um, but when it gets a bit like when it gets a little bit shonky, when it gets a little bit shoddy, I, I, I like that as well. I think it's charming. So when you've got like the, the floating clown with lights on the bottom of his shoes chasing down a car, you know, it doesn't look great, to be perfectly mm. honest, but I kind of like that. I think it's, uh, I think it's, it's, if anyone hasn't seen it, who's listening to this, you, you don't know what you're missing. It's, it's, uh, it's 88, is it 80, 90 minutes 87 minutes something like that Not even, yeah yeah it's about 80 something minutes and, and it, it's 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 over it's 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 less it's less time to watch this than the eastenders omnibus you know so <laughs> and, and and more gratifying put it this way you could probably watch this four times no you probably got yeah probably watch this three and a bit times in the same t- length of time as it takes to watch the snyder cut so you know you're getting some bang for your buck there really do you think um, there should be a director's cut of this film <laughs> the the uh, the cut. Um, uh, I'd buy know. it. I'd I, buy I think it. I, I think I would. I think I would buy it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's yeah. It's a moment in time. This film is. Um, mm. It's a cult classic. And it's a cult classic for a reason because, I mean, there's a whole generation of people. But there's, there's there's a whole group of people younger than us that have never seen this film. Mm. And I'm pretty sure there's like you said there are people listening to this podcast because you know I'll be promoting it. I'll be putting it out making sure like watch it first. That are still going to go. Well, I can't find it. I've not seen it, but you know, let's listen. And then they're going to hear us talking about this and go like, "What the fuck is this film? I, I do, I don't know what this is." So check it out. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. You know, available on Arrow Blu-ray, but you know, you can find it online. I think it's on Amazon. I mean, you have to pay for yeah, it to rent three, it. But three pound forty-nine on Amazon. Yeah, go go watch it. It's really good. Or subscribe to the Arrow channel, and you'll be able to two forty-nine a month for the Arrow channel at the moment. Brilliant. How how long for? Uh, I get three months at two forty nine, and then if you if you sign up now, I don't know if you yeah, if you, if you, worth having a look at. I've I've got I've been watching loads of stuff on it. Days. Mm. Mm. Um. So yeah, I was just saying. No, I'm using the Arrow download uh, the Arrow streaming channel as my sort of like way of uh, watching films to veto whether or not I then buy them as a Blu-ray to get all the special features and all that kind of stuff. Well, I, so. I, but I, when I buy them, I never watch them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you collect. It's different. It, it it's, is. It's a collection rather than a... It's it an is. addiction. Sorry. Yeah, that's what I meant. Addiction. I collect, I collect, I collect two things. Arab Blue Ways and small Vietnamese children. Yeah. You know. And, <laughs> and one's easier to get than the other, really. They I mean, are, those, those, some of those Arab Blue Ways are really tough to get. <laughs> they, are, they are limited. They are limited. And they're running out of shelf space. That's, for yeah. the Arab Blue Rays, not for the, the, you know, obviously the children are in the basement, but yeah, yeah, yeah. plenty of room, plenty of room down there. Exactly. Um, yes. Yeah, so that's Killer Clowns from Outer Space, nineteen eighty-eight. So uh, a, a, a film worth seeing. Um, and and you know the fact to say both of these sort of tap into I think this sort of like nostalgia. Um, but I, I love the fifties nostalgia of the oh the, two, the thing I was going to mention actually yeah the, the before we move on from killer clowns the fact this thing around make out point 
they have these places that people will go in their cars and then they make out and stuff. Yeah. In oh, yeah, America, yeah. in America, like teens go and do this, right? And they call it the make out point. In a in Britain, it's called dogging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I still find this 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 concept that um, this thing in America of like going to a place. I, I don't know if it's real. It could just be in movies. I'm gonna have to ask some of my American friends. Like, is this a legit thing? Oh yeah, or is it only yes. in movies? I can get. I, as someone who's lived there, absolutely, it's a real thing. Yes, and yeah, uh, and and you weird. normally used to get sort of like, and in North London as well. In North London, certain areas in North London, Hadley Wood, Hadley Wood's a good example. There was, Hadley Wood had a similar area. Um, so yeah. Oh, which reminds me, by the way, as you as you mentioned, Doggy, you still on for Thursday? Yes. Oh, yeah. Brilliant. That's okay. I just wanted to check, so I can just put it in my yeah. diary. <laughs> yeah, using the convertible. Yeah, um, I've, got, I've got a head torch this time. Yeah. <laughs> GoPro. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> GoPro. Um, I'm still amateur. I'm still learning. Okay. <laughs> don't don't, like, don't rush all, me. Don't rush it, me. All out of focus. It's terrible. Um. <laughs> Now, the other thing actually I kind of like in this film, and, and weirdly, uh, you know, it's 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 early on, and uh, I, I get a little bit like not emotional, I don't get upset, but you know when the old man like, and they, they take his dog, um, yeah. and he's sort of like you know he gets all upset. He's like, "Give me back my dog! Give me back my pooh bear!" Like he gets like legit upset. <laughs> and I know it's all acting, but there's a moment I'm like, "Oh man, yeah, I hope he gets his dog back." And then, then I sort of check myself, and I'm like, "Oh no, he's not. Like that's right. This is uh, <laughs> this isn't that film." Um, I think it's. I think the dog is also his partner. So yeah, it gets lonely on those cold and cold and lonely nights. It does. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's it's a good film. It is a very good film. Um, what, ha- what happens with rednecks stays with rednecks. <laughs> yeah, we just don't ask. Um, so the, should we move on to? Should we move on then uh, to, okay. uh, to to Dead Heat, and then we'll do like an overview of both of them at the end. So okay. Dead Heat, same year, came out in nineteen eighty eight. So nineteen eighty eight, a good year for um, Brain Damage, came out in um, um, eighty eight as well. Oh yeah, that's yes, I know that one. Yes, 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 the one with the cover yeah. with the the face, just the face on it. Uh, no, that's brain. Uh, that's brain dead. Uh, oh, brain, brain damage. Yes, arrow. Yes, I know. The, yes, the lad who's got the he has the thing going out of his back of his spine. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so yeah based the... based on a Richard Lehman novel called um, Flesh, I believe. Really? Yeah. If you yeah, read that's... Flesh, you'll see you'll see where they get the concept for this film. Oh, okay. That's a film we'll talk about again one day. Good film. Mm. Uh, anyway, so yeah, uh, Dead Heat, uh, starring uh, a a, be- a much better cast. <laughs> Uh, no clowns, um, but uh, starring yeah, Treat Williams, Joe Piscopo, um, and then you have also in it is uh, one of my favourites, Vincent Price pops up. Um, but the concept is is basically two, it's a buddy cop film. It's a zombie buddy cop film, basically. It's it's Terminator meets Night of the Living Dead. Let's be honest. Yeah, it's a weird genre mix up. This one, so it's two cops and. Uh, they find out that there's a, a corporation, a medical corporation, that is basically reanimating the dead and then using them to commit crimes. Um, and in the but can, can I just stop you there? Yeah. yeah, they don't find this out until later in the film. Oh yeah, no, yeah, a load of other stuff happens first. Like that, yeah. that's we we find that that's what the whole thing's well, source of the whole thing's about. There's there's more to it than that. But before that, like weirdly, like. I remember the first time I watched this again, I think probably early 2000s, the first time I watched this when I was at university. 
And Treat Williams, like the main characters in this, dies in the first like 15 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And I remember sort of like when he dies, I'm like, oh, I not really know what the film was, but I'm like, well, that's that's a turn up. <laughs> um, but they have this reanimation machine and uh, they do, they reanimate him and he has 12 hours to uh, track down his killer. Uh, and stop this 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 crime spree. I mean, you know, they do it in the film. You see the film. There's a film called uh, DOA, Dead on Arrival. Um, mm. They showed the original uh, 40s or 50s uh, version, but it was remade with uh, Dennis Quaid in the 80s. Um, and they show that. So it's the idea of a dead man sort of tracking down his killer and stuff. But there's, like you say, it's also like there's st- scenes clearly taken out of the Terminator towards the end. Oh, yes, Absolutely. Um, and the fact that, like you say, it's, it's a zombie film, and so you get loads of those. So again, cool, excellent practical special effects in this film. Oh, really good ones, really good effects. Yeah. Um, um, the the well, where do I start with this? <laughs> <laughs> Picking this apart. Enjoyable film. Don't get me wrong. Mm. Enjoyable film. Um, I did re- actually. I I did write notes yesterday because I hadn't seen this for very long time um so at the beginning you get these two these two um villains yeah. who who wear masks yeah which i didn't quite get that why are you wearing masks then yeah. I, I don't understand Ex- execution like proper leather hoods as well like. oh, they, they proper they, they're the kind of stuff that you'd wear in a wrestling ring yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no proper mess. executioner kind of mystery mm. opponent thing, and they do it to 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 um, heist a jewelry store. Yeah, and they're criminals with dirty faces. Yeah. And the first thing I I noticed was why are they why are their faces covered in mud? Because they have just sort of like muddied up their face, and mm. it's like on a, in a kind of almost camouflage type thing, but with dirt. And I'm thinking, what, what, what is it? Why have you got dirty faces? I don't understand. You're not going to go and do this sort of like, you know, camouflage-wise and hiding behind this thing. You're just going to go in, shoot your guns, take the jewels. So why the dirty faces? It annoys me, and I still don't understand. I think it's supposed to say it's supposed to say that they've like recently been dug up. Yeah, well, they but they weren't though, were they? No, they, they weren't. weren't. They weren't dug up at all. They were <laughs> just. Taken from the mortuary and yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Maybe they're just dirty people, but like yeah, um, dirty criminals. You know, yeah, I think that's what he was trying uh, to insinuate. It's, it's, yeah, but it does look like they've been had dirt. Just someone's just gone uh, makeup and they've just gone. All right, <laughs> yeah, smeared, smeared on their face. And again, like I say I, I I justify things in this film with they're like, why are they wearing the masks? Because they don't want to be identified because they'll have known that they're already dead. And you go, yeah, but that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, it's no sense, is it? Yeah. Um, and then and then they get the call in, the police get the call in. Mm-hmm. And and the most bizarre thing is that this police department, I'm not sure which area it is set in, which which state is supposed to be set in. I don't it's, think it's I think it's supposed to be Los Angeles. Is it LA? I think so. Yeah. It certainly doesn't look like LA anyway, but regardless, you know, um it's like Austin Powers saying, you know, yeah. doesn't doesn't Britain look a bit like Southern California? Yeah. <laughs> um, but the interesting thing is, is that the cops' budget for this film, uh, for, you know, they they must be on a well well big wage packet because they have a convertible police car, a police yeah. car that's also a convertible. 
it's a um um it's a Chevrolet it? or something. It's a Chevy, yeah, it's a Chevy, Chevy. Impala. It's a Chevy yeah. Impala. So if you've ever watched Supernatural, the mm. the program, you know, the the um the with the two brothers, um what's it called? The Winchester brothers and all that show. They it's the same car they drive for the but the convertible version. So it's a 1967 Chevy Impala in red, and it's yeah, it's a lovely car. Clearly, like you say. One of these police is on a, 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 a much bigger whack than the re- than the rest of them, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a it's a nifty looking car though. Um, and you've got like uh, um, Joe's character, yeah. uh, um, who who is he's a big guy, isn't he? He's a big mm. stocky guy, and he's wearing shoulder pads. There's a there's a weird part to this film, right? Which and. Uh, I'm, it's clear they're trying to tap into, and there's so much going on in this film. Like, you've, you know, we've said about, um, you know, the DOA, so trying to track down the person who killed you. But this setup, they're clearly trying to tap into uh, Lethal Weapon at the start of this film. Because yeah. you have, like, the Joe Piscopo character, Doug, dressed in, like, a T-shirt and a leather jacket. And, again, the leather jacket's got shoulder pads in, which is, like you say, he's a big guy. It's the 80s, to be fair, so, you know probably the case and then treat williams character roger like you know so not even hiding it uh roger um is wearing a suit and so they've got this they're trying to show this sort of like you know this this sort of uh one's a bit a bit more um you know rigid in his ways and all this other stuff but then clearly isn't because for the rest of the film he wears all kinds of things and just sort of shoots people quite happily so um yeah, it's a, it's a it's a bit odd, but they're trying to. I don't understand the relationship between these two. I mean, they're quite good characters, but um. and you got that you got the the typical eighties thing where there's. So I'm going ahead of myself here, but the the the, the chief of police uh, <laughs> uh, is is a is a is a black man. So we've yeah. got that inclusion of Peter putting black people in positions of of power, as we did in the nineteen eighties in films. You know, to show that we had this inclusion, mm. even though we were. But of course. Not only is he a black man in power, but as a stereotype, we've got to make him really angry. Yeah, really angry well, black man. It's 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 basically uh, that that's become a trope of itself. Everything from um, is it the first well, all of the the sort of Beverly Hills Cop, um, and the, I think I'm trying to think of others that have done it as well. But there's plenty. It, Robocop has one, like the desk sergeant in that, the sort of like the shouty, you know, mm. the shouty black guy, and then obviously. Um, after this, but Last Action Hero uh, plays it for laughs. Um, you know, she when he shouts so loud, he smashes all the windows. Um, but yeah, no, they do. They have a lot. There's a lot of like cliches in this film, but I think it's meant to be playing to the cliches, isn't it? That's the, that's sort of the point, um, at least to begin with. Well, at the beginning of the film as well, when they're robbing the store and they come out of the store, and all the police are there, people die. Yeah. Left, yeah. right, and said it's a massacre of cops. The cops must have a shortage because yeah. pretty much all the cops there get killed. Oh yeah, well because because the, the robbers, like the the thieves, they can't die. They are zombies. It's, it's they're getting shot, you know, filled with lead, and uh, they call it out. But like, yeah, they just stood there, like they're not even hiding. They're just mowing down these police, um, and eventually they get killed. Like they'll take them out, and uh, and Roger does it. But yeah, like they're not good police, are they? In this, no, <laughs> like not, not really. No. no. And then, and then after they, 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 these these two guys have shot like about fifty police officers, right? And he he drives the car into one of them, mm-hmm. and then the other one gets blown up by a hand grenade. Mm. And then you 
cut then to the angry ca black captain back at the station who then goes, you drove a car without any authorization. You're thinking, hang on. Yeah, yeah. He blames him for the. He blames yeah. him for all the damage. Yeah. So you, you destroyed a car. It's like what? Yeah. was about fifty deaths. Yeah, I get. You just that. lost most of your precinct, and you're I, worried about. A yeah, car. it's it's one of those things. Like, I get why they've put it there because they want to show that cliche and they want to do that. Yeah. But like, even as he shouts at them, I'm the same. I'm like, why is it their fault? They stopped the murders. Like they stopped the massacre. That, that's a good thing. Um, yeah. It, it it doesn't make a great deal of sense. And the doctor, the doctor from Star Trek, is is the is also he's the one with the moustache, isn't he? Um, Picard, is it Picard? Picardo, the, um, one, the one who plays the Doctor in Star Trek: Next Generation, Voyager, uh, Star Trek: Voyager. Oh yes, so yeah, 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 yes, yeah, yes, yeah. he's there as well. Yes, uh, yeah. very, very very small part, but he's in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's there at the beginning. I think he's, to, he's, he's the lieutenant whose car they steal to drive into the other people. Yeah, um, he's, he's the little victim. He yeah, does, he, he does feature later on as well, doesn't he? He pops up again a couple of times. Um, yeah. But yeah, but obviously then they find that they, uh, they end up going to a med this, this medical facility. They, they basically associate these two guys to this medical facility, <clears throat> and then they go to track down what's going on, and they get to see bits and pieces. Um, and they see the chamber where uh, animals are put to death after the, after experimentation, <laughs> which is v vicious. <laughs> it's, like it is a it's like RSPCA. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, yeah. I love the way she explains it as well. Like she's like, yeah. oh yeah, we, we put them in there, and then we basically sort of suck out the you know all the things, and it kills them pretty quick. And I'm I'm still thinking injections, you know, yeah. pretty quick, and and a, and a lot less. Uh, like me and probably le less messy. Like you've literally got to carry the dog there, kill it, and then carry it away. Like it, yeah, it, yeah, it's completely impractical. Yeah, it it's really just is. like what, what? So you just suck all the air out of the room, and they they die of asphyxiation. So asphyxiation, and you kind of think, yeah, from an animal rights perspective, I'm, yeah. I'm like, that's not right. That cannot See, be. Right. They're suffocated. So yeah, not sure that's. Yeah, and, and the room's massive. How big are the dogs? Yeah, it's huge. You could, you could, you could, just, you could do that to a horse in there. Yeah. Well, like I say again, it's it's completely obviously it's, it's clearly foreshadowed and everything because that's like you know where uh, what's it dies, but it makes no sense as an animal. <laughs> and it's in the corridor. It's in the corridor. Well, I so love the fact that I love that. Yeah, it's just at the end of a corridor. But what's better than that? There's a puppy in a cage sat next to it. Yeah, and it's clear, like, just waiting, and he's watching everything go on, and I'm like, no, 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 this is not right. This cannot be right. Um, yeah, it's a weird. Uh, it is a really weird setup. Um, again, it's that thing of like, you know, th this this film is less about. It's a comedy. I mean, it's supposed to be silly at times, but there are little there's there's glare and things like that that make no sense. Um, but Roger does get caught in it, and you know he does die, and then. Um, how how useless how useless is his partner trying to open the door? He's got well, a fire he's got a fire extinguisher in his hand. Yeah, but uh, he's been beaten up by a zombie cop with a, a zombie biker with three faces at the time. Yeah, so but after him, after that's done, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, after that's done, he, yeah. and he's done. He's there and he's just pressing a button. <laughs> You're just like <laughs> yeah. shoot the glass. Yeah, I thought the same. Yeah. Like, you've, you've got, got a gun. gun. <laughs> just shoot the glass. <laughs> 
Um, do something, you know, it's honestly. Um, and I, I do that when they do find, so when Trent, um, Treat William dies and they do know there's that machine uh, there, they, they find the uh, re, you know, reanimator machine and a, the, a medical professional from the, the police station, the, basically the mortician, uh, figures out how to use it and, uh, and, and brings Roger back. Oh, the, yes, with no training. No training. Yeah. Just just <laughs> randomly oh. press buttons. Press oh, buttons. We, yeah. What we have to do is we have to do this. And then we yeah. do this. And, oh, look, it's working. That's brilliant. You know, she, this technology that doesn't exist in the public domain. There's yeah. no internet. She didn't yeah. even Google it. You know, it's just she just walked into a room, looked at a computer. Oh, OK. So we place him on the table. We do this. I'll just put in this. Well, even, in the, even later in the film, they, they keep saying how cutting edge it is. Like, you know, no one's got to this point. And you're like, well, it doesn't seem particularly difficult to manage. Everyone seems to do it. Her, her role in the film, though, um, as, uh, as the medical officer. Uh, mm. She dies later, doesn't she? She gets killed towards the end. But... Yeah, but there's no but there's no you don't see it. You just, no, no. See her, you just see her dead body in the ambulance. You think, well, that yeah. was a waste of time. But she, she, well, she the only purpose she serves in this film is to provide medical exposition. So she's like, so-and-so is dead. Now I've reanimated him and he has 12 hours to, to find his killer. The longest yeah. 12 hours in the <laughs> world. Yeah. Yeah. 12 hours and, and he's just driving his car casually. Do, 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 do. There's no urgency to the fact that he's no. going to melt away in 12 hours. It's just like, it's not even addressed. It's just like, we're just going to tell you that well, and then that's it. it, it the idea, yeah, I love the fact that they give you a ticking clock uh, and then the ticking clock doesn't matter. Yeah, it's <laughs> just it, gonna... <laughs> so even, to, even to the end of the film, like it's like, oh, well, clock doesn't matter. Yeah, because you get to the one point where he's in he's in the sun and his bright sunlight and the next scene is night. It's night time yeah. and you're thinking, <laughs> and it's I think it said like you got three hours left and I'm thinking... Yeah, because they meet like the PR woman at the medical place and she becomes like the key witness, doesn't she? She's the one they're trying to protect and all this stuff because it's like she knows stuff they're trying to kill her off. It's when they're going back to her house later on, like they leave broad daylight, they arrive at her house, pitch black. <laughs> yeah. So, so they... you know, it, yeah, there's a real jump in time. Um, Saying that though, because there are lots of like the story in this, and like I say that it just jumps, it does lurch from thing to thing to thing. Um, but, and again, like, oh, sorry, on. I was just going to say the two the two cameos though in there was Shane Black. Oh, really? I didn't see Shane. Did I Sh see Shane Black? Yeah, Mr. Shane Black was in there, I believe, uh, in the ambulance scene at the end where the, oh. the with the guns, I think. I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, I think he was one of the people. I think he was the one that was pointing the gun at at. Uh, oh, oh, the police officer. That yeah, shot, uh, yeah. So Shane Black, you mm. know, who 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 went on to do Last Kids Goodnight, Predators. Well, so Predators. Predator, Predator was the year before this, wasn't it? So. Well, he didn't. But he didn't do the original Predator. Did he, Shane Black. He's in it though. He, yeah, he is in it. That's right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, he didn't write it, but he's, he's in it. He's a, as an actor. So, yeah, wow. And yep. so, what's the other cameo that you were noting? Uh, press, Professor Turo Tanaka, who was Sub Zero, yes. Sub Zero in Running Man, but also WWE wrestler, of course. Yes, I can know what WWF he was back in the day. That that was the scene I was going to talk about. But yeah, I, when he turns up, that's it. That is a really cool moment. So they they do um, 
they're tracking down all kinds of weird. The, the plot's almost irrelevant for the, oh, totally, for, the, totally. for the for the middle of this film. It, like I say, it lurches from thing to thing, to, from fight to fight. But they go to a Japanese, not Japanese, sorry, they go to a Chinese uh, butchers. Yeah, yeah delicatessens, isn't it? Yeah, and you've you've got like I say, Professor Tanaka um, uh, there as, as basically the butcher. The, the the hygiene level though is is terrible. I will say because he's basically sort of like wearing just an apron and sweating into the meat, which is pretty gross. Which is pr- it's pretty much the way that's pr- yeah. pretty true. You know, it's it's there is um. It's why we color. have it's why we have COVID. Um, yeah. <laughs> to be fair, um, I think he's Japanese as opposed to Chinese, though, isn't he? He is, yeah. But you know, I think when it comes to Hollywood movies, it's like you know, do they have an Oriental look? Yes. Yeah. You go to play a Chinese guy. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. from Japan. Doesn't matter. Yeah. No yeah. one will know. Um, uh, but I love that scene though when all the meat comes to life. Well, yeah, this is the thing, is that for some reason they have the reanimation machine in a light. So, yeah. so the above, light sorry, shade... Above, above, above a butcher shop full of dead meat. What? It, yeah. it just, <laughs> the thing is, if it's in that light, it's about this It's, it's about this big. It's small. Yeah. It's not that big. And yet, in the, in the other one, you've got a, a big sort of, like, you know, massive... Yeah. Massive device. And you think to yourself... Something's not quite right here. How did you manage to whittle it down to that? And I've got a massive one, you know, at the main complex. It's one of those things, again, from a practical standpoint, because they've literally just walked into a front door, as you say, into a delicatessen. And they're they're tracking down that one of the guys involved in the conspiracy is this. It's basically like a bunch of rich people from the city have got together and they're funding this this thing. And one of them is this this Chinese guy. Who's... Who's also the um, um, uh, Mogwai's owner in Gremlins? Is it? Yeah. Wow, so many connections all over the place. Yeah. Um, but yeah, basically though, he flicks the switch, and this reanimation machine comes on, and mm. all the dead meat in in the shop comes to life. So like, you know, dead uh, cooked ducks, you know, chopped up chickens, uh, a rack of beef. <laughs> like, yeah. All, just all this stuff, which is awesome. But even from a practical point of view, like it's in the light. As you say, it's in the light fitting. How many accidents do they have where they're like, oh, why is it happening yeah. again? Like, Turn the light on. Oh, crap. That's the wrong one. Sorry, guys. Sorry. <laughs> it's happened again. Like It just seems like it, it doesn't seem to serve. I, I don't seem to think why it serves any purpose in a butcher's shop, though. Like what? Why? I don't even know it's hidden there. So, yeah. It makes, it makes, no, no, sense. makes no sense other, at all. Other than for the fact that it makes a really cool scene. Um, so it, it is kind of good fun um, to watch to, to watch those um, those bits of meat come to life. Weirdly, it reminds me of there's a bit where the where the cooked duck or the you know the, the whatever the the duck is uh, comes to life. It reminds me of uh, young Sherlock Holmes. Uh, it just it, for some reason that just came to mind when I was thinking about it, and the, when the the guy's at the restaurant and his dinner comes to life, and the, the little bird on his plate comes back to life, and um, mm. so yeah, no, but it's uh, it looks cool. There's, you know, they they um, I, I like the fact that one like Joe Piscopo is sort of like just like what the fuck is this? Like, is a real even as a character? Like, he's just like this is beyond the pale. Um, it's a real interesting kind of like. Um strange thing with his character because it's 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 so everything's so random mm. with this film everything you know you go from this timeline and this storyline 
and then the story arcs to something else completely different yeah. with no explanation like like the the pathologist dying not it was a pathologist yeah it was a pathologist mm. her dying and being in the ambulance no one knows how and then when later on when his partner dies and they go around to the house and he's upside down in a fish tank <laughs> and you just go oh so he's dead well yeah. when did that happen well what went on there? Well, they, 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 for some reason, they send him ahead to to get some stuff, and they find him dead. And through complete supposition of like, you know, there's no evidence. They just say that the uh, the the other crooks must have come back and killed him. Yeah. And they, and, and everyone goes, all right. <laughs> yeah. And they just go about their business. There's no one. No one comes to take the bond. That ah now sorry, retreating back. Okay. Mm. So he dies in this in this chamber, right? At the beginning of the film, yeah, 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 yeah. in the in the, the um the the, the dog killing chamber, mm. all the police are there and saying, "Oh, it's terrible. He's died. He's died." Nobody takes the body. No. Nobody takes the body out on a gurney into the back of a hearse, you know, and takes it off. Nobody at all. They're allowed to take that body willy nilly, take it into this room, put it on the machine. Nothing makes sense at yeah. all. No yeah. procedures are followed. It's just like. Do whatever you like. Yeah, it's 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 amazing any crime gets solved in this city. To be perfectly honest, it's, it's <laughs> very inept police department. Yeah, you know, um, you've, you've only got twelve hours to live before you turn to mush. You must let me work with you. you can't have time. I'm a cop. Yeah, <laughs> it is what? really. That. Well, I, I love the fact that I say because this film does take a left turn. It starts like an action film like you think you're going to be watching like a rip off of you know it's a lethal weapon knockoff that's what you think you get in some buddy cop film and then one of them dies and all of a sudden it goes off in this like this other direction and yeah. then you're like oh okay and so you sort of like you you know for the, for the most part you're then like oh then that's the buddy sort of cop one's dead one's not dead and then they kill the other one and so for the sort of like for about 15 minutes it's no longer a buddy cop film it becomes like a soul you know one man army the Terminator, as you said, and oh, then yeah. and, and you say about the body, they bring back Joe Piscopo at the end. So he's been drowned, and uh, um, his partner Trent Williams and that woman um, find the body, and then they go like they they take him down, they get him out of the fish tank, and then they leave, but they leave the body there. But then later on, when they get to the medical place where they've been doing this reanimating, they've taken Doug's body from her apartment. <laughs> And brought it to the medical place to use him as a demonstration of how the reanimation works. Of all the people they could pick. Of all the, like, they lit, yeah, but the guy who does it is the head pathologist for the county. Like, there must be others that you could choose. Yeah, pretty much. But also, like, also... Le less conspicuous as well. Like, you know, bodies that would be less conspicuous than the cop that was just drowned in a fish tank. Yeah. It, it, it... It just makes, and also as well, he's just everything's so casual about everything. <laughs> it's just everything is just so so laid back and casual. At one point, the pathologist says to says to um, uh, the 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 lead the lead guy Trent. He mm. uh, says, "I've worked out a way in which you can't get putrefied. Mm. So if you stay with me, I'll I'll sort this out because you've only got three hours left before you go to mush." And he goes, I can't. I've got too much to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, Wait he's giving he's giving you more time to do the things you want to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's but all that. It's all. But, yeah. but then the woman, 
the woman from the society that does the reanimation, you know, later on, for no no reason whatsoever, they decide that she's also dead and she's been reanimated. Yeah. Yeah? But she's been dead for much longer than he has. She hasn't been in charge for like 12 hours. No. So, I yeah, I had to watch this. So I watched this back because she gives a bit of an explanation. So it turns out, like, at first, she claims that the Vincent Price character, who finds like you find is like the mastermind behind all this, is her dad. Turns mm. out it's not. He picked her up when she was in drug rehab, and so, but she, and then you find out she overdosed and she died. Yeah. And what? But they found out a way of prolonging, like you say, preventing the putrefaction. So they've, you know, been using whatever to prolong this um, reanimation, this this after, you know, this zombification, this process, whatever it is. But then she just sort of declares she's about to have a shower, and then she sort of just declares like it's not working anymore. Yeah. What, is, what isn't working anymore? You've not told us what it is. Like, have they taken the drugs away? Have you stopped taking them? I, it, I mean, I like again, I like the scene, but it's well, again, it's, it's this thing where you go, like, I don't, I don't know what you're, what, why this is happening. It's it's a it's a nod to Evil Dead, isn't it? That yes, entire totally. scene. It's a complete totally. nod to Evil Dead. I mean, it's done pretty much frame for frame the same as the Evil Dead uh, end sequence, mm. you know. But I mean, it's like she's there and she's just had a shower. Well, I don't know. And he's had one, yeah, or she's about to have one, but she's sat there and she just watches her hand age yeah, but, and decay, doesn't she? But his partner is still dead in the house, upside yeah. down in a fish tank. <laughs> You know, so he's dead, and then uh, like he's the other one's trends walking around, and she's gone to have a shower. I'm just gonna have mm. a shower then. Being as he's dead, I'll have a shower. There's no urgency to this film at all. Nobody no. seems seems to care. That's you know. Well, this is what I mean. They give you a ticking clock, and then the ticking clock does not matter at all. Um... And, and then these zombies that that they reanimate the villains, mm. you know, and they attack and stuff like that. They die in the most mysterious ways. Because they're zombies, they're dead, but they can be killed again. And one yeah. of them gets killed by drowning. Now, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get it, because your lungs won't work anyway, so it wouldn't well, really they make point, a difference. But, well, they, they point that out as well, because at one point, like, say, Roger, uh, Trick Williams, is hiding in the uh, jacuzzi. Yeah. And, and Doug points out, he's like, well, you were under there for, like, five minutes. And so I'm, I actually, I, I, did, I was like, so what, is, how is the other guy not dead then? <laughs> yeah, exactly. What's killed them? They need to. There are no rules. I mean, like, you know, when you watch a zombie film, we know the rules of a zombie film. You, oh, shoot yeah. in, you, you shoot them in the head. Like you know, those are the rules. Like it's the only way. You know, if you haven't got a pulse, right? So the heart's not the problem. It's the brain. Nope, that doesn't appear to be the problem in this film. They never, they nope. never set the rules in this film. The only person that gets shot in the head is the, the cop at the beginning of the film by yeah. one of the villains. Mm. Apart from that, nobody thinks at all about shooting any of the villains in the head no. at all nobody has seen a zombie film yeah well and, even uh, it's not even seeing a zombie film if you're shooting somebody in the body and it's not stopping them if you're a police officer with a gun at some point you're going to go well the face seems like a good option yeah well this is the thing at the beginning of the film go i know we're jumping back and forth but mm. at the beginning of the film when they goes you know what we've put we must have put 50 bullets in them and they're still standing yeah. up and Trent goes, let me try. Takes a shotgun, gets in a car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> boom, boom, boom. And you're like, but, but 
they just put 50 bullets in there. Yeah. So, well, the, the other thing is, all the time they kill, say about the rules, there, there are no rules to these zombies because they, they do kill zombies when they you know they, they clearly do it's shown them doing that however when they go to the butchers they reanimate meat there's no organs in there there's no brains it's meat like the the rack of beef is literally just a rack of beef rack of beef attacking yeah <laughs> yeah so what do you need for it to be reanimated yeah, exactly. and what do you do to kill it i don't understand what the rules are yeah it's it's, it's completely absolutely bizarre it's just like someone went i've got a good idea yeah why don't we reanimate a butcher shop. Well, 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 how? How's that going to Don't worry about how it's going to work. Let's do it. It'd be really cool. Oh, then that's totally what they do. This film is totally just a series of that's a cool idea. That's all this film is. I actually want to bring this up because I was looking at um, the, you know, the what's it for this. Like who who's done what? Okay. So the writer of this is a guy called Terry Black. He has written. Is he related to Shane Black? Maybe. Uh, may, may, but may well be that's why he may be in the film. Um, he he's written all of you. Know, you, you wait, ready for this now? Mm-hmm. One film. What was that film? Dead, <laughs> dude, <after laughs> this, you almost answered right? that question. I don't <laughs> I know why. <laughs> um, after this, he just writes for TV and a couple of video games. Um, so clearly, people were like, "Yeah, but the plot doesn't make sense. Doesn't really matter." Uh, must... the, other, the other thing, sorry, I just want to show you, the, the, the yeah. director of this, uh, Mark Goldblatt, directed this, as in, as, did he, uh, the 1989 Punisher. Oh, okay. The, the Dolph Lundgren Punisher. I actually kind of like, I like, I like, I like that, yeah. yeah, I kind of like that film. And an episode of Eerie Indiana. Other okay. than that, other than that, he's an editor. Okay. So, um, it's not the most experienced crew when it comes to it. Um, but I would say, like, you know, it's, they must have had somebody go, um, you know, like you say, have you seen, have you, there's a lot of zombie films you can watch. <laughs> they might give you some ideas of how they should work. Mm. Um, what I would say is, though, when, after Doug dies and after, and that, I was just say that the evil dead scene. So the woman gets, before we get to the Terminator bit, um, Doug is dead. The woman, she sort of decays in front of him. It looks cool. Like, the, mm. again, the practical effects in this film are ace. <clears throat> when she decays, they have like a bit of superimposed where her face decays off a skull, which doesn't look great. But when it's like the flesh dripping off her body and stuff, like it looks yeah. really good. And she keeps the towel on throughout all of it until the last bit when you just see the, the decomposed, Skeleton shriveled up stuff. shriveled up boobs. Yeah. Which yeah, I was most disappointed about. i got to be honest, because I, I, I thought they're not her boobs. Yeah. They're not no. her boobs. No, no, they, they, she's clearly had work done, you know, or, or, or not done in this case. Yeah. Um, uh, and then basically, so after this all happens, sort of treat, he, he gets, I can't remember how, but he ends up in a body bag. Um, no, he ends, up in, he ends up in an ambulance. He gets, yeah, he gets knocked out. That's right. <laughs> yeah, because of course, you know, you're a zombie, so you can get knocked out, apparently. And then he gets taken outside. And the the man says, "Right, so, yeah, we'll put him in the van." And and the other guy, and the Chinese guy goes to him and goes, "Why don't we just kill him now?" <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then the, the 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 main villain just goes, "Nah, put him in the van." Yeah. <laughs> what 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 what? You put him in the van. No one can hear you. This van. What was it? What did they say? I think I wrote it down. Actually, what he said the van was made out of. Um. 
No, I don't know. I don't know what he was saying. Oh, well, one thing. I, one sorry before we go on to this bit. Do you remember the library bit when he runs after Trent in the library? They're in the library looking at the books, and he runs after Trent. Right, probably I would say about twenty feet, yeah. if that. And he's out of breath. He's yeah. like, oh, oh, they're glad I caught you. Oh, oh. I'm thinking, what have you been doing? What's wrong with you? You need to see a doctor. You're out of path. You only just run a few yards, for God's sake. Um, yeah, the the the, the bit, he goes put him in the van, mm. and he goes, you won't have any. No one will hear you in this van. This van is soundproof, made from as, as he say is made from titanium or something. It was made from something like that. Yeah, something ridiculous. Like, and you look at it, think. Uh, it's not. It's just a normal van. That's it's, what not, it is. it's basically just an ambulance-looking van. It's just a yeah. It's sort of or the mortician van or something like that. Yeah, and they they've they've handcuffed him to the gurney, <laughs> which which moves, which has wheels on it. Yeah, they put, the, they put the girl with him. I'm thinking to myself, well, why 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 are you doing that? It, it, they're obviously trying to clean up their own mess, aren't they? Because they've come to clean up the bodies and stuff. Which because this is where they take Doug as well. Um, they must. This is where they must take Doug's body. But like you say, the the next bit is where it all sort of goes terminator style or a bit pear shaped because like you say he kicks the brake out from the van, um, and it, it's a real risk because again we've already seen zombies killed, we've seen that it can happen, mm. so he kicks the brake out from the van and the van starts to roll very quickly downhill and he's sort of like riding like yeah, and then it basically collides with a bunch of the cars and there's a big explosion. Um, well, this then, is going to be fun. Yeah, <laughs> what yeah. he says on the way down. It's quite. I, I will say, right? Although I am ripping into this film, I have a lot of fun with this film. Like I really oh, yeah. enjoy it. But um, I love the fact that like, it blows up and then he sits up from a, a out of a body bag and he's all burnt. And again, like the the makeup effects are great. Like it looks really cool. Um, and that's when it sort of kicks into Terminator style because he then goes after everybody. He gets the uh, he goes to the medical station, gets the bullets. Get, he's got an Uzi, which is like you know quintessential Uzi, Uzi nine millimeter. But no yeah. handcuffs. His handcuffs are gone. No, they don't when he comes out. It's weird, yeah, because if you notice, you know he takes the guy's motorbike. Yeah, he takes the. He's wearing handcuffs when he gets when he takes the police motorbike. Because I, I think I Shane, I think I Shane's Black's motorbike. Yeah, that's what that's what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. So when he takes that, he takes Shane Black's motorbike. He's still got the handcuffs because you see the chain dangling off his wrist. And then by the time he gets to the medical centre, they're not there anymore. <laughs> so he's clearly. <laughs> so someone's either gone. Nobody will notice. I wouldn't worry about it. Or, um, you know. Like they forgot. <laughs> it was yeah. like, have, have you seen the handcuffs? No. Ah, I never will notice. Carry on. Um, but yeah, he basically becomes a Terminator and storms this place. But he got blown up. He's yep. blown up in an inferno and he walks out with his flesh and hair. Yeah. All his hair is intact. There is no, his hair has not been singed in any way, shape or form. It's, it's slightly blackened and, and blown back. It, on one side, on one side yeah. here. But he looks, you know, all right. Fine. But you can see underneath it there's, there's almost metal bits as well underneath mm. isn't it it's almost like metallic and you're thinking what well, hang on Schwarzenegger's not looking <laughs> as good as he used to what's going on here yeah and that's when we turn into a very low budget Terminator film yeah I mean, it just becomes like it, it's it's almost like Chuck Norris level 
kind of film, isn't it? Where it's sort of just every tur- every corner he turns, he just mows somebody down with an Uzi and then just keeps going. Yeah. Uh, and and then you get the sort of the you know he finds the rich people and you have a bit of a shootout uh, at that point. Um. Vincent Price, who 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 doesn't explain really why he isn't dead, and he just says they didn't bury me; they buried a volunteer. But he doesn't really explain anything else. He doesn't explain whether he's been. Has he been in the reanimated machine? Yes. Has he not? He's you know, he's died. So he's supposed. So he's supposed to have died, and then he's been reanimated, and they're using this same whatever to prevent putrefaction. So that's the that's what it is. But it's not really explained <laughs> at any point. You just I've just guessed that based on what they show me. I'm like, right. So they say about someone else being buried, and they've shown him being really ill, and he's not now. So I'm assuming he died, was reanimated, and is now. Go- it's all you can. It's all you can sort of you know guess from from what happens. Mm. Um, but. Uh, yeah, it becomes a bit of a weird shootout at the end. Like there's a, you know, there's a little bit of a fight, and they kill the chief pathologist again. A bit like with yeah. the clowns, it's a bit of a disappointing as finales go. Let's let's see what happens when we re- reanimate someone twice. Well, what if nothing happened? What yeah. if they just reanimated? Yeah. They just went, oh, that was shit. Then wasn't it? Oh, well, we won't do that again. It makes him stronger. <laughs> yeah. Like, what, 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 how did you know he was going to buy? What at what point did you know? What book did you buy? The Idiot's Guide to Reanimation or something, yeah. you know? The reanimation machine, it's, apparently it's just dead. It's like a microwave. It's just easy to pick yeah. up. A couple of buttons, it's done. But they do the thing is they reanimate um, uh, Doug, uh, the Joe Piscopo character, and mm. he comes back, uh, and it's because he's been dead for so long, uh, they say that he is brain dead. And I'm not sure if this is supposed to be a joke at how stupid he is as a person or not. But they say, you know, he's been dead for so long, he's brain dead, so he, he'll just do whatever he's commanded to do. So they command him to. So he tap. understands his functionality yeah. is there, his cognitive yeah. functionality is there, but he's brain dead. Well, you can talk quite clearly. Um, yeah, and, and understand then, commands, and then, and yeah, process and then, it. That's it. And then Roger talks him out of it by referencing. This is what I find funny, right? and, and it's one of those things that sort of it has to happen because as a viewer you have to have seen it. Mm. But he, he he references something that's happened in the film to try and trigger his memories. That thing that he uses is a joke he made because when Roger died, his lips went pale, which makes sense as a detail, right? In this film, the one detail they pick up on is like the blood circulation that he's dead, so his lips go pale. Makes sense. So he goes to buy some lipstick, and then basically Joe Piscopo makes some eighties gay jokes about it. Um, and then later on, Roger references those, and that is what triggers Doug to come back. Not the fact that they've been partners for years, and there'd probably be this wealth of, like, you know, relationship building and everything else that's gone along in the past. No, something that happened that morning in a passing joke <laughs> about lipstick. It's, it's you know... It's slightly uh, bizarre. It's it's a bit silly. It, there's a lot in this film that's silly. Um, but yeah, basically, from by the end of this film, your two, most, both your main characters, so you've got Treat Williams, Joe Piscopo, right? As, as Roger and Doug, your main characters, the ones you've been following throughout this, they're dead. Yeah. They beat, they win, and they reanimate, they've, rea- they, you know, they've beaten the machine, they destroy the reanimator machine, and Vincent Price is left to decay at some other point later on. And then they just walk off. But and is they he, say, Is he though? Because if he's got one in a Chinese shop, mm. yeah, 
and he's got one there. Who's not, who's not to say he's got them everywhere? That's true. That's a very good point. I think he personally, he basically he left this film and, and went to live in a big castle, and uh, he and he and he built uh, Edward Scissorhands straight after this. Yeah, I'd imagine that's probably quite true. Um, but I love the fact that they blow up the machine and they walk out, and and, it's, and Joe Piscopo uh, Dog says, um, uh, "This is this, this is the end of a beautiful friendship," and you know they're both going to die. They're going to, you know, they're both going to have to turn into this goo. And it's both it's both the triumphant and one of the most downer endings of, yeah. of, an action, of an action horror comedy I think I've ever watched. Cue dry ice. As they yeah. walk off into the clouds. But like literally everybody in this film is dead. Like no yeah. one survives this film. Like everybody dies. Anyone who's a main character dies in this film. Yeah, and some with no explanation. <laughs> Or care, like they literally just, they, you know, yeah. they just sort of like die in the scene or don't die in the scene. They, their bodies are just found. Yeah, it's um, for a, for a plot point of view, it's all a bit of a mess. Totally, it's How, very silly. Yeah. However, having said that, I really enjoy this film. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it's a it's a film you could watch and not take too seriously, and not have too much brain power watching it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you don't overthink this film, if you don't think about anything you're seeing in this film and just enjoy it for what it is, which is a roller coaster of just ridiculousness mm. from beginning to end, it's, you know, then you're going to enjoy it. If you're going to go there and just try and, you know, pick away at it, you're not going to, you're not going to enjoy no. this film. I think, you know, it's it's a, um, a zombie comedy, which. Zomcom. It's a zomcom. This, is this the first zomcom? No, it wasn't Night of uh, Return of the Living Dead, wasn't that before? Eighty six. That's eighty six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So you got Return. I suppose that's the first one then. Um, mm. But yeah, it's it's interesting that sort of you know they, they'd obviously started to do this. Um, I I say I really like this film. It's just it's not considered a classic in the same way that like say Return of the Living Dead or, or you know those other sort of rom like zomcoms are. Um, isn't it Joe Pesco though? Isn't he Karate Kid? No, that's no, uh, that, no. Oh, someone else. No. Oh, okay. Joe Piscopo was just one of those actors. Sort of these, he was sort of just one of those sort of. He's a comedy actor from the eighties, really. He didn't do great deal, but he did some bits and pieces. Well, he did. Sat. He was Saturday Night Live, wasn't he? he yeah. Came from Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um. And but it's not as mainstream though. That's the problem. Is that something like Night uh, Return of the Living Dead? That's more. That was more commercial. There was much more distribution involved with that. Um, whereas this one wasn't, it was much more low budget, much oh, more, yeah. B, much more B movie. This is a definite B movie. Like this yeah. is, this is definitely a proper B and that's why these two films go together. Mm. I mean, you know, if you, if you, if we were to pick, if you had to watch one of these, you know, you're going to sit down you're going to have a nice, in your case, like a nice cup of tea mm. and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, your, your biscuit of choice and you're going to, you've got to choose between these two films. Which one do you watch? I think Dead Heat. Oh, between this and Killer Clowns. Yeah, I think Dead Heat. I think I'd enjoy. I have enjoyed Dead Heat more than Killer Clowns. Mm. I I think I think Killer Clowns is ridiculous in itself. It's just that there's something about Dead Heat which makes it a bit more sort of like tongue in cheek than Killer yeah. Clowns. You know, there's a bit of sinisterness in Killer Clowns, whereas this one, there's nothing sinister about this at all. Yeah. You know, not even the zombies are scary. You know, it's just kind of like it's. It's terrible acting. It's a terrible storyline. It's every stereotype under the sun. 
and it's just 80 odd minutes of just fun it is isn't it i mean i i i think i would choose there's something about killer clowns i really enjoy like mm-hmm. it really works for me but like, it's a tough choice because i really enjoy like i say dead heat is so much fun like it's it's weird and like you say you know um on other podcasts, I spend the podcast sort of like, you know, really assessing a film and getting into it and like, you know, ripping it to pieces and say, well, this is rubbish. You know, like, the re- with, for example, like, you know, the recent Snyderverse uh, Justice League. Like, you know, I watched it. It was fine. It was good. There's things I could pick apart in that, right? Mm. And, you know, you, I've seen people so doing that. But that's, ju- that's just a director's cut of the film, yeah? Yeah. Well, explain, I mean, that's a different conversation. But yes, okay. pretty much. But, um, Basically, there was things I could pick apart in that, and I'm like, you know, oh, this doesn't work, or that doesn't work. However, it doesn't mean, you know, it's a bit nitpicky. However, I still enjoyed it. I could rip this film apart, like Dead Heat. Like, you could literally, Easy. scene after scene, you could tear it to pieces and say how bad some parts of it. But there's just a feel and a tone to it that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like, I really enjoy it. And the set, I'd say, if anything, though, I would say, Dead Heat works as a as a whole package because it, it, from beginning to end i think there's more to it killer clowns the finale of killer clowns is is a, is a bit of a down it's a real disappointment mm. i think it's that middle bit that really works for me but, but yeah, you're right dead, dead heat has a beginning middle and end you know i think it, it does have a there is a structure to dead heat yeah, it has a, 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 it has a story arc, arc to get you from a to b killer clowns is just random Yes. It's just so random. It's just, it's it's a wrestling spot fest, you know, to get yes. in the test of it. It is just spot after spot after spot after spot. Whereas this is a, is a, is a, is a storyline. It's, it's some, it's not a very good storyline, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's there, you know, it takes you on a journey. Well, Killer Clowns tries to be gremlins, but without the threat of the gremlins. Yeah. Okay. You know, I see that. Yeah. Because it's ex- it's exactly the same film as Gremlins in many ways. You know, it's something some some monster things comes to town. People have got to stop them, and then you beat the the baddie at the end. Hmm. But the, the difference is with 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 you know with Joe Dante and stuff with uh, um, uh, Gremlins and stuff. It's like it's like you say that sinister edge, and that there's like proper horror moments in that. Killer Clowns it tries to go for tongue in cheek. Um, and and it, you know it just doesn't stick the landing in the finale. And I think that's the biggest its biggest fault. Um, mm. But I, I, I think because although Dead Heat doesn't again the ending's a bit weak. <clears throat> I think it sort of matches everything else that's already gone on, so it sort of fits the tone overall. Um, but yeah, I, you know, would you would you recommend both or either either of these films or both of these films to people? I'd say both. I'd say they're definitely both mm. worth watching. I mean, mm. they're both films where you just chuckle. They're yeah. chuckle films. They're not films that you're going to go away and do, write a, a dissertation on. They are films that you're just going to chuckle over. Yes, I, I agree. And, uh, yeah, if you really like them, like I say, you can find them online. Uh, or there's special editions available. Like I say, I've got the 88 Films edition of Dead Heat and the Arrow version. Arrow's had two releases of it, haven't they? They've done two releases of, of Killer Clowns. So there's plenty to be found. So go track it down. Um, but yeah, I think that's I think that's it really. We've done those two films. That mm. was good fun. I enjoyed. Did you it enjoy was. you enjoyed them though? Oh yes, I did. Yeah, it was it was good. It was good sort of like remembering, 
rememberings. Yeah. I hadn't seen him in a long time. Dead Heat, especially. I hadn't seen Dead Heat in many a years. Yeah. Um, and I've forgotten most of it, to be honest with you, until yesterday. Um, but the uh, Killer Clowns, obviously, is always good to watch Killer Clowns. I find an excuse to what to watch it. Yeah, we'll have to come. We'll do. We'll come back and we'll do one of these sort of uh, mini retrospectives or whatever again. Mm. Uh, and 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 Mike, you will be back on the show. Um, you know. Well, yeah. Back. I mean, twenty twenty three is coming. <laughs> You'll be on before then. I think I will find. We'll find find other things to talk about for then. Uh, there are so many other films I want to talk about that I've never got round to. Though, like you know, I, I want to do a, a retrospective of uh, films that have been adapted from the books of blood by Clive Barker. And, you know, mm. um, you know, not often you get to talk about raw head Rex. Um, oh, please. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. So much to be said. Um, Nightbreed. So yeah. yeah. Nightbreed is another good film. I love that film. Uh, mm. yeah, we, we've got them all. Um, so yeah, we will talk about doing that at some point in the future. And if you listeners, if that's what you want to see, so, you know, more retrospectives, more things, let us know. You can find, uh, me on uh, all the social medias Twitter, Facebook, uh, Tumblr, Instagram, just search for 20th Century Geek, that's at 20th Century Geek. Email, email me directly, that's 20th Century Geek at gmail.com. And as I said, this was a Patreon uh, episode. Every quarter, people at the top tier get to choose an episode. And so this was the one that was chosen for this quarter. So what I don't know what will come next next quarter. There may be more. But we do have a Patreon page. Go find us. It's uh, Patreon slash 20CenturyGeek. Uh, uh, so it was 20CGPod. Uh, and go find us. And there's all the tiers on there. We do all kinds of things on there. So anyway, thank you, Mike. I've really enjoyed doing this. It's been no, good. No worries. To and to chat. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, we shall see you on the next show. Mm-hmm.